dead and so many had the opportunity to recant and uh, denounce Jesus and they, they and their family would be able to live but they refused to do it. They kept their faith in Jesus. And that, that there's so many proofs of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ but I think that's one of the greatest proofs of all is that men that saw him alive after he was crucified and died on the cross. They knew that he had risen from the dead. They would not turn back. And they allowed themselves, their families to be put to death for the cause of Christ. And in Hebrews 13, 3, the Bible tells us to remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. And as we've learned from the Bible, when one member of the body of Christ hurts, we should all hurt. Just like when a member of your body hurts, the rest of your body suffers with it. In Revelation, the second chapter, in the twelfth verse, the Lord Jesus, speaking to the church in Pergamos, says to the angel of the church in Pergamos, these things says, he who has a sharp two-edged sword, I know your works, where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny, watch this, did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. I know your works and where you dwell where Satan's throne is and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Anipas, my faithful martyr, who was killed among you. See, a martyr is, uh, I personally believe that some, some people have the call of the martyr on their life. A martyr is someone who is put to death for what they believe in. And you, you, see it again and again when someone has this calling of the martyr on their life and they, they give their life for the cause of Christ, it, it tends to bring those who witness that person die, it causes people who witness that to get born again, to get saved. And didn't we see it in that video we just watched, that pastor allowed his children his wife, and then himself be put to death. I believe they had the call of the martyr on their life. Because what happened to that village chief sometime later? He got saved out of it, didn't he? And we, of course, remember Stephen, who we'll talk about in a moment. He was the first martyr 
And uh, Saul of Tarsus held the coats of the people that stoned Stephen and then Saul became the Apostle Paul later on. In Revelation 6, verse 9, it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I, this is the Lord Jesus opening these seals, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Of course, this is talking about a time out beyond where we're at now during the tribulation period. But still you see people again and again being put to death for the cause of Christ you know a question we might ask who suffers persecution well if you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ you'll suffer persecution Jesus said a servant is not greater than his master he said if they persecuted me they will also persecute you and then the apostle Paul wrote and said all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And of course, in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in verse 32, and we've read this several times as we were studying on faith, but it bears repetition here this morning. Hebrews eleven thirty two. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness was made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were, you see... Great victory. There's great victory in serving the Lord. But also cost. And then it goes on to say others were tortured. Not what? Accepting deliverance. Why? That they might obtain a better resurrection. That family that we heard about here this morning on that video, the moment that those children died, the moment that the wife died, the moment that that pastor died, they were in the presence of the Lord. And then in verse 36, still others had trial of mocking, scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stones, sawn in two, tempted, slain with the sword, wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. 
of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens of the caves, so forth and so on. There's a great victory in serving the Lord, but there's a great sacrifice in it also. You ask why are some greatly and miraculously delivered and some aren't? I can't completely, totally answer that question. I do know the Bible says here, others were tortured, not what? Accepting deliverance. And I don't think that's accepting the deliverance that God would offer. It's accepting deliverance from the situation they were in. They could get free of it by renouncing Jesus and they refused to do so. And thank God for all the promises of victory and... You know, and God delivered Daniel out of the mouth of the lion and the Hebrew children out of the fiery furnace. And and we give great glory to God for that. Yet others were tortured and mocked and put in chains and imprisoned and stoned and sawn in two. Why some are delivered miraculously and some aren't is a subject open for debate, but I'll just say there's great victory and great deliverance in serving the Lord and there's great sacrifice as well. The early church was severely persecuted. Talking about over the last 2,000 years, but if you go back to right after Jesus was raised from the dead and that those people of the first century after he was crucified and raised from the dead. I want to talk about a few of those. Of course, the first martyr was Stephen. We've talked about him. He was stoned to death. He was full of faith and power, full of the word of God. And I believe he had the call of the martyr on his life. And again, it bears repetition, his death. When someone has that call of the martyr, it, it, it affects people that witness it. You see it again and again. And of course, Saul, who held the coats of the stoners, later became the Apostle Paul. I believe when he watched the death of Stephen, as Stephen's life was taken from him, and Stephen said, I see the heavens, I see heaven open, and I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of Almighty God. And He said, lay not this sin to their charge. I believe that affected Saul of Tarsus. It was a seed for him to get born again on the road to Damascus sometime later when Jesus knocked him to the ground with the great light of his glory. Of course, James, who was John's brother, you've heard of James and John. James was the first of the 12 apostles to be martyred He was killed with the sword and likely beheaded. Peter, you all know who he is, he was incarcerated in Mamertime prison, which in and of itself was typically a death sentence. This prison was so bad. 
He was brutally tortured there, yet he shared the gospel with the guards. This is near the end of his life, you know. Peter, when he was sentenced to be crucified, requested it be upside down as he thought not worthy to be crucified as was his Lord, right side up. The apostle Philip was stoned and crucified. Matthew, who wrote the gospel, Matthew's gospel account, you know, he was pinned to the ground and beheaded. Andrew, unwilling to recant his faith in Jesus, there it is again, was crucified on an X-shaped cross. After being whipped severely by soldiers, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when, when he was led to the cross, he said these words, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. And he continued to preach to his executioners and other bystanders for two to three days until he died. Thomas, you've heard of Doubting Thomas. He was thrown in. And now these men did, did great things. They spread the gospel and so forth. But as time went on, they, they suffered such persecution. Remember, Jesus said, the servant is not above his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. And Thomas was thrown into a fiery oven and st struck through with spears. Bartholomew was flayed. They stripped the skin off of his body with a whip. And then he was crucified. But Pastor Terry, why are you talking about all this? Because the Bible says we're supposed to remember we just read that, didn't we? The Apostle John, you know, he wrote John's Gospel account, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. They boiled him in oil, but they couldn't harm him. They lowered him in the boiling oil, and when they brought him back up out of it they expected to see nothing left but maybe just bones but he was still alive now why he was delivered and these others weren't is it is a, is a, is a, is a topic open for it's a, open for good debate perhaps these others their work on earth was done we know god still had much for John to do because when they boiled him in oil he hadn't wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John yet he hadn't wrote the book of Revelation yet and when they, when they couldn't kill him they exiled him to Patmos the Isle of Patmos and only John he was the only apostle of the Lord you know of the, of the twelve he was the only one not to suffer a violent death. And then James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the book of James, 
he was thrown off the temple tower and beaten with clubs. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, the book of Acts, he was a physician, he traveled with Paul, he was hung from an olive tree. See, I like to come in and talk about Daniel in the lion's den and how God delivered him. I like to come in and talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how the fourth man showed up in the fiery furnace and delivered him. But we also have to talk about this. We also have to talk about Isaiah, the prince of the prophets. Placed inside a hollow log and sawn in two. We talk, I have to talk about Jeremiah who was a prophet of God and declared the word of God and in the midst of a bunch of feel-good false prophets telling the people what they wanted to hear all the time. And they persecuted Jeremiah so and they put him in a cistern in the, in the ground and We have to talk about them too. Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, as a result of speaking out against the idol worship in Alexandria and Egypt, he was tied with ropes and drugged behind horses through the cobblestone streets, cobblestone streets of Alexandria until dead. These are the men that God used to get us this holy book. Timothy, the young pastor, he rebuked, he rebuked the Ephesian pagans over their idolatry. They didn't like his message. He was beaten with clubs and they drug him through the streets and he was stoned to death. These men of God, these great men of God, who I'm not worthy to bear their shoes, shine their shoes. Look at this. Mark speaking out against the idol worship. Timothy rebuking the Ephesian pagans over their idolatry. It cost them their lives. But they got to hear from Jesus. I'm confident of it. Well done, good and faithful servant. The Apostle Paul was in prison frequently, beaten severely, exposed to death again and again, and whipped and beaten and stoned and left for dead. And A lot of people don't realize that Paul was fed to the lions at one point. But God delivered him. And they tried to kill him again and again and again and again. And in one case, they did kill him. And and he talks about deaths off. They may have killed him more than once. He kept coming back. (laughs) Now, there you have an example where God delivered him. And he, you know, he stood. And why that? These others... died again it's a it's a it's a subject for good debate on perhaps God wasn't done with the apostle Paul 
The Apostle Paul, though, had to stand. How many of you know when you're whipped and beat again and again, it's real easy to give up, isn't it? But he didn't. He kept standing. And at an old age, old age, he was beheaded for the sake and the cause of Christ. And those are just some, if you want a complete history of Christians who have been persecuted, I would recommend Fox's Book of the Martyrs. You can buy one for around 10 bucks. I recommend, it's a good read. I'm just highlighting a few, but he goes into so many that I just don't have the time to go through of people who Christians who gave their lives for the Lord. Fox's Book of the Martyrs by John Fox. You know, one thing we learn from this book and studying history is it's interesting, Nero, the Roman emperor, would have Christians because of their faith in Jesus, sewn inside animal skins and fed to dogs. He would dress Christians in wax clothes and set them on fire to provide light for his sinful parties. He had Christians fed to the lions. And I brought a picture here, this book that Rick Renner put together. No room for compromise. But it's a good picture. I don't know if you can see it. But would you hold this one side for me? But oh, here you have the Colosseum. Let's hold it up a little higher. The Colosseum, the stadium, filled to the brim with people, spectators. And here, of course, you have a group of Christians. And here you have Christians on crosses inside the Colosseum that had been set on fire and burned for the spectators to, and jam-packed stadiums for people to come and watch Christians be burned. And then when that was done, they'd open up the, the door and out comes a lion, a lion's and there's a tiger down here and other wild beasts and they'd set the beasts loose and they would attack the Christians and kill them and devour them. As the throngs of people in the stands observed and cheered, rooting for the Lions, as the lions tore the people limb from limb. We all need to think about that for just a minute. We need to think about that. That's sobering, isn't it?
because of people like this that we get this holy book. As I said, in many cases, Christians would have the right to renounce Jesus or be put to death, but again and again, they refuse to do so. Again, what, what great proof that Jesus is alive. Polycarp, he's brought out in Fox's Book of the Martyrs, and there's hundreds of them in here. Like I said, I just can't get to all of them. But he was an early church leader. He was given a chance to renounce Christ or be burnt at the stake, and he replied, listen to what he said. He said, for 86 years, I've served Jesus. He's never wronged me once. How can I blaspheme my Lord who has saved me? And then they burnt him at the stake. Sometimes the executioners were so moved by the martyr's courageous faith in Jesus, they themselves repented, received Christ, and died alongside the one that they were to execute. And you saw that in that video, didn't you? Where that chief was so moved that he got saved later on. But some of them as they were taking the Christian to be executed, the Christian's faith was so strong that the executioner got saved and laid his head down on the chopping block. Think about that. I don't know what that does to you, but it makes me examine myself. Do I have that kind of a witness for the Lord Jesus? How would I react if they came in here right now and put a gun to my head? or to my wife's head and say to me, renounce Jesus or I'm going to blow her head off. Think about that. John Wycliffe, he was an English Protestant theologian in the 1300s, he was known best for his role in translating the Bible into the common language. He died of a stroke. Now listen to this. He died of a stroke. Not put to death with a sword or, or fed to a lion or anything like that. He, he died of a stroke. But his testimony for Jesus was so powerful and he did so much work in getting us this holy book in, a, in, in, in English that we can read it. Because you see the, as you study into this, the Catholic Church back there then did their best to keep the Bible in a language that the common man couldn't understand. And uh, John Wycliffe had done such great work he, to, get, to get us our Bible. That he died of a stroke, but sometime after his death, his corpse was exhumed by the Pope and the council the Pope had called and they cursed his corpse, they cursed his bones and they burned them and deposited them into the river Swift. 
He's one person who was martyred after death, if you will. Think of that. That's how much the devil hated the work that he did. Because he was instrumental in getting us our Bible. That's why I bring my Bible to church every time I come. I realize today people um, have their Bibles on their phones or laptops. And and that's good, however you bring it. But I would encourage this congregation that when you come to church, always bring your Bible in some form. Whether it's on your phone or whether it's on a laptop or whether it's a book. But just out of respect for these men that have given their lives to get us this holy book. It's interesting... Fox Book of the Martyrs brings out here uh, before he died in 1587 John Fox had the joy of seeing the fruits of his labor come to pass his book, this book here went through four large editions and the council of bishops ordered it placed in every cathedral church in England pretty good huh because we're supposed to remember the Martyrs. Now listen to this. This is what I want you to get here. Like the Bible, it was often chained to the pulpit so that overzealous readers would not take it as their own. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen, what I just read to you. Back there then, we didn't have Bibles all over the place like we do now. They only had maybe one copy in a church. Now think of this. Think about living in the United States. It's the greatest nation and next to Israel. Thank God for Israel. We love Israel, but I'd rather live in the United States than anywhere else. So I'm grateful. But think about living in the United States. Think about it. The Lord wants me to say it. I wasn't going to say it, but he wants me to say it. You see the stadiums here? They're just as full in the United States as they were back then. The only difference is is now we've got football, baseball, every other kind of sport. And I'm not against sports. I'm not against it. But when we put it ahead of God, I am. And nowadays, you don't have Christians down there getting eaten by lions, but a lot of the Christians are up in the stands instead of in church on Sunday mornings, Sunday afternoons, whatever it is. Sad, isn't it? In the United States, there's Bibles. Back there then, they only had one Bible, and guess what? They had to chain it to the pulpit. Because people were so hungry for it, they'd want to take it home with them. But we live in a nation, thank God for it, but there's Bibles all over the place. And a lot of times folk will bring their Bible in, they'll just, because I've been doing this for over three decades, they'll leave their Bibles in the church and just... Maybe pick it up in a couple of weeks. Think about it. I'm not trying to put anybody down, but it's time for some, all of us to think, think, self-reflect a little bit, right? 
thank God for this great nation, but there's some dangers that come with the blessings that we enjoy here in the United States. And so many times you can't get people, you know, to bring their Bibles to church in any form. And frankly, in so many churches in this land, the Bibles aren't being read anymore. You know, you see how I have you open and turn in your Bible, turn in your Bible? Or look this scripture up? That's not done in very much anymore. You listen sometimes. They might refer to a scripture. I'm talking some of these big mega things. They'll refer to a scripture. But they don't have you turning in your Bible. It's dangerous, dear friends. Because the next step down the road after all that is at some point you lose your freedom when you take it for granted. I'm not pointing this at you. I'm just pointing this at... It's good... Who's ever listening? We need to think about these things. Don't we? But I thought that's interesting with John Wycliffe. They didn't martyr him until after he was dead. That's how much the devil hated this man. Well, it's interesting, and I almost forgot to read this. I wanted to read this here. They put his ashes in the river Swift, and then it went out into the river Avon, and eventually, it's interesting as you study the story of how his ashes spread. As his ashes spread, that's where the gospel spread. It's interesting. You might be able to dig his body up and burn it. Like the Apostle Paul said, you can chain me, but you cannot chain the word of the living God. You might kill me, but this book will live on. I don't know about you, but I've decided to follow Jesus. And I'm not turning back. A lot of people have turned back. A lot of people have other things to do. A lot of people have other things. But I don't have anything better to do than to study this book. And to do my best to live according to it. And you need to realize this, and don't ever forget it, here in the United States... We have little to no persecution compared to what goes on in other places of the world. And frankly, I think we could use a little persecution here in the United States. Get some Christians stirred back up. I said get some Christians stirred back up. I said get some Christians stirred back up. Get some Christians stirred. I said get some Christians stirred back up. You, you watch what Christians would do if they came out and said, we're going to take all the Bibles away. Well, just look what happens when they say we're going to take the guns away. Well, what if they said we're going to take the Bibles away? You'd see some Christians come out of hibernation, wouldn't you? 
Just if you, if you said there's a law, now just watch this. If you said there's a law, you can't come midweek. You can't come to midweek Bible study. It's against the law. You watch how many Christians have come out of hibernation and demand to come to church on Wednesday night. Now think about that. Sobering in here today, isn't it? It's real easy for the devil to lull us to sleep. So three things you do when you're persecuted. Just listen to these. The first thing the Bible says to do if you're persecuted, you're supposed to rejoice. Jesus said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Uh, Let me read the whole thing. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So rejoice. The second thing you do when when you're persecuted is you trust God for deliverance. The Apostle Paul said, Persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Can you say amen? amen? So when persecution comes, we need to believe God. We need to stand strong. We need to, we need to trust Him and stand on the Word of God and, and stand on Psalm 91. And, 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 and God, He'll do just what He said. Can you say Amen. amen. And that's all we can do. Why some of these people were not delivered? I, you know, one argument is, is that they didn't know their authority. I, I, I don't know if that's right or not. Could be, could not be. Other could be they had the call of the martyr on their life. I, I, I don't know. But I do know this. If I'm getting persecuted, I'm going to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And I'm going to do all I know to do to stand on the word of God and resist it. Amen. And let the chips fall where they may. And then thirdly, pray and forgive. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. And that's what we see Stephen do, doing when he was martyred. He said, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And here's another example of prayer, because we're going to pray here in just a moment. Look at Acts 12. Verses 1 through 7, as I'm beginning to close here. Look at this. Acts 12, 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. We talked about that earlier. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he arrested Peter, put him in prison and delivered him to the four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But watch this. But what? But what? But what? But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were, be, were, were 
were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in prison, and struck Peter on the side, raised him up, said, Arise quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? But it's because the church prayed. That wouldn't have happened if the church hadn't been praying. In my opinion. Don't you think that's pretty clear? Now, you know, and God had more work for Peter to do. I mean, I, again, I want you to be clear. I don't know why some got delivered, why some didn't. There's good arguments on both sides, but I know this, that if I come under persecution, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to trust God for deliverance. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to hope that you're praying for me. Amen. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And you see it activated. I mean, God moved and sent the angel or however that all worked and that the chains fell off his hands. Isn't that wonderful? So how do you pray for the persecuted church? Well, for those being persecuted, that God would deliver them like we just read with Peter. Another good thing to pray is that their faith would not fail, those being persecuted, and that they would have strength to endure. And for those doing the persecuting, remember Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you, for those doing the persecuting, that they'd get saved. And when they get saved, the persecutors get saved, the persecution will stop. In the book of Acts, Saul was persecuting the church. He had watched Stephen be martyred, but Saul was persecuting the church so strongly and so heavily, but then he got saved and became Paul. And the Bible says the churches had rest. So you pray that they get saved. How do you, now listen, how do you pray for people to get saved? First thing you pray is that their spiritual eyes would be opened. It's interesting. Listen to this. William Tyndale, it's brought out here. He was instrumental. Fox brings it out. He was instrumental in getting us our Bible in the English language. And William Tyndale, listen to this, as he was being burned at the stake, said this. He said, Lord, because the king of England, I mean, the king of England had come against him. And it was It was terrible. And as he was being burned at the stake, William Tyndale said, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And it's interesting, within a very short time, very short time, guess what happened? Work began on the King James Version of the Bible. All because that man was martyred. I believe he had the call of the martyr on him. And he prayed for the persecutor, Lord, open his eyes, and within a short time, work was begun on the King James Version of the Bible. So you pray for the persecutors that their spiritual eyes would be opened and that God would descend the laborer to share Jesus with him, you see. Let's close with these two verses, Revelation 12, 11. Revelation 12, verse 11, and they overcame him. That's the devil. This is talking about Christians. Overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. 
I thought that was a good scripture to read right there. They did not love their lives to the death. They did not love their lives to the death. In Matthew 5 verse 10, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So while it is very sobering and very somber here today, as it should be, but we can rejoice and be glad because everyone who's died for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven right now. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can you say amen? amen? Now, what I think we'll do here, you can go ahead and stop the recording now.